2024 will undoubtedly contain many challenges for us as we seek to live Christ-like lives in an increasingly secular culture and a culture which has become increasingly hostile to, to the basic claims of Christianity. In recent years it's become clear that we can no longer assume that the society around us will accept even the most basic facts about who we are as human beings. Facts that were believed by all people everywhere up until yesterday. And naturally we start to wonder, well, what is next? Uh, And it would be easy to conclude that we are in a unique position, that we are facing things that no era of Christians have ever had to face before. Uh, perhaps even appeals to our natural pride to think that we are special and we are unique. But we need to keep coming back to God's word to remind ourselves that even though the particular issues that we are facing may be new, that in the words of Ecclesiastes there is nothing new under the sun. And at a time like this, Jeremiah 29 is particularly helpful Because it was written to a group of people in a similar situation to ourselves. That is, it was written to people who were in exile. And that brings us to our first point this evening. Two main headings this evening. First one, remember you're in exile. Remember you're in exile. Over Christmas I met up with a friend who's been living in South Africa for the last 16 years. He, he got married there, he's only been back a handful of times since. Uh, though he was in Stranar one of those times, some of you uh, will have met him about a year and a half ago uh, when he was here for a weekend. But at the moment he, he's back in, in his homeland in Northern Ireland with his, his whole family. His youngest three children have been meeting many of their relatives for the first time. So you could say that my friend is living in exile Although it is a a voluntary exile in his case. But in Jeremiah 29, God's people are in involuntary exile. They've been taken from the promised land where they'd grown up, where their parents and and grandparents and great-grandparents had lived. And they've been taken nearly a thousand miles away to Babylon. They were now living among people who had a different culture, a different language, and who did things very differently from how they'd been done back home. They found themselves in a strange land among strange people. And every day as they went about their daily tasks, they had an overwhelming sense that they were far from home. Whether you've ever lived in a different country uh, or not this evening if you're a believer in Jesus Christ you too are in exile your true home is in heaven we read from first Peter this morning uh, and a couple of times in that letter Peter describes Christians as exiles chapter 2 verse 11 he says behold I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Those around them were engaging, indulging in the passions of the flesh. But Peter tells them, you're different. This world isn't your home. You're not to live like that. 
You are citizens of a far greater country and subjects of a far more glorious king. And it's not that Peter was searching desperately for an illustration uh, to try and describe what Christian living is like. And he suddenly remembered the Jews in Babylon. Uh, But in God's plan, he, he brought his people in the Old Testament through just such an experience. So we would have a concrete illustration of how we're to live in this world. Romans 15 tells us about the Old Testament that whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. That through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. So Jeremiah 29 was written for your instruction and encouragement as a Christian about to enter 2024. We're not simply taking uh, a lesson that applied in the past and and looking for relevance today. Uh, This chapter was actually written for us. We'll see shortly some of the specific lessons we can learn uh, from the fact that the people are in exile. But even the simple fact of remembering that we are in exile is tremendously helpful for us as Christians as uh, we've now entered a new year. It reminds us that 2024 will bring disappointments. Some of the things that we are looking forward to this year, when they come, if they even do come, will disappoint us. Uh, And some of them won't even come. Some of our plans will be frustrated. But the fact that we're in exile reminds us that we shouldn't seek perfection in this world. Because it's not our final destination. It's not all that God has in store for us. How sad for those for whom this world is all they have. Uh, any, Any hopes that they have must be rooted in this world. And what crushing disappointment when those things don't come about. But as Christians, we're not to expect more of 2024 than what God has promised. I remember seeing a woman being interviewed on the TV uh, and who a year before she'd bought a new house for £325,000. But 12 months later, as she was being interviewed, she said it was unlivable in due to defects in the construction, gaps under her patio doors letting in all sorts of insects, the garden subsiding, cracks and holes appearing everywhere. And she said when she was interviewed, it wasn't supposed to be like this. The new house that she'd been dreaming of for years and she's bitterly disappointed. And if we forget that we're in exile, we'll find ourselves saying the same thing. It wasn't supposed to be like this. But actually, this is what exile's like. No matter how good it gets, it's not home. If we start thinking that this is our true home, we'll be bitterly disappointed. Now, that's not to say as Christians we're to be miserable or always expecting the worst. In fact, as we'll go on to see, we can flourish even in exile. God's grace isn't limited to a certain place or a certain time in history. But don't expect perfection. Don't forget that this isn't your final destination. 
Imagine you were flying somewhere on the holidays and you had to get two flights and you had a stopover for a couple of hours. But you got off the first plane and you were so relieved to be off the plane that you forgot that you had another plane to get. So you got your suitcase out uh, and uh, went out of the airport and started wandering about. Uh, and, then, and then you realise that that's not your final destination. It was only meant to be a temporary layover. And so let's not think of this world as our final destination. Ever since Adam and Eve were banished from the Garden of Eden, humanity has had this sense that we are not home. When thorns and thistles tore into Adam's skin, they were messengers saying, you're not home. This isn't the way things once were. When Eve experienced painful contractions in childbirth, it was a reminder that she was no longer in paradise. And God's people have always looked forward to something beyond this broken world. Hebrews tells us that that Abraham, uh, to whom God gave the promise of a patch of land on this earth, uh, uh, that his people could call home, even Abraham was looking for a better country that is a heavenly one. Hebrews says that they all, Abraham uh, uh, and those like him, they all acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth and if we forget that in in 2024 if we start thinking of this world as our ultimate destination uh, as where our treasure is uh, then we'll get ourselves into all sorts of trouble we'll 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 look at the the brochure the holiday brochure in our hand and we'll look around the place where we've stopped as a temporary layover and say it doesn't match up But it was never meant to match up because it wasn't the final destination. So firstly, this evening, remember you're in exile. Uh, The second thing we want to see is don't make the mistake that exiles make. Don't make the mistake that exiles make. Exiles, uh, whether uh, spiritual ones or or, uh, physical exiles, can make two equal but opposite mistakes they can spend all their time looking back to where they've come from or they can spend all their time looking forward to the place where one day they hope to go and falling into either one of those mistakes will cripple your effectiveness as a christian in 2024 so the first of the two mistakes we'll consider under this second heading is don't keep looking back don't keep looking back. It's, it's dangerous to drive along uh, looking constantly in your rear view mirror. It's helpful to have a mirror to be able to look back. But you, you'll not get very far if you're looking in it all the time. And the most obvious temptation for exiles, especially those who've been taken from their homeland against their will, is always to be looking back, always to be dreaming of home, always to be comparing where they are now to where they once were. God's people had left behind not only the promised land, but the temple. On top of that, they no longer had God's anointed king reigning over them. They faced blow after blow after blow. Any one of those losses would have been huge. It would have taken the wind out of their sails. But the combination is devastating. 
And we might think, well, who could blame the Jews in Babylon sitting there by the waters of Babylon, listless, languishing, drained of energy and hope, thinking back to better days. And there is a place for lament, there is a place for grief, but what does God tell them in verses 5 and 6? Build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage. What does he tell them in verse 7? Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. In other words, God is saying, you're in a different situation now. Yes, my will for you in the past was that you'd live in the promised land, worship in the temple and so on. But for you, now those days are gone and they are not coming back in your lifetime. You're in a new situation and the sooner that you realise it, the better. Sitting around pining for the glory days isn't going to change anything. In fact, it would be to live in disobedience to God's commands about the here and now. That was God's word to them. And I don't think it takes a huge leap to apply this to many, the position of many Christians in the Western world as we enter 2024. Because if many of our brothers and sisters in Christ could change the date, they would If they could get in the time machine and go back in time, they would do it. And I'm sure we've maybe all thought that at one time or another. Some would go back just to the time when they were growing up and there weren't the same temptations and pressures that they look out and see today. Others would go back... Maybe a bit, a bit longer uh, when, uh, to the days when, when school children memorised the Bible, when Sunday was outwardly observed as a day of rest. Some would go back to, to the days before the First World War, uh, or, or even more recently than that, when, when the churches were full. Uh, some would go back more than that to the 1600s, when Puritan theology was taught in the churches when the parliaments of England, Scotland and Ireland openly acknowledged Jesus' kingship over them. But just like God's people in exile in Babylon, what we need to realise as Christians as we enter 2024 is that we are exactly where and when God wants us to be. We can appreciate what God has done in the past. We can learn lessons from the past, but never forget that you're exactly where and when God wants you to be right now. Perhaps you look at a world where transgenderism, homosexuality are are celebrated, where wrong is called right and right is called wrong, where everyone does what is right in their own eyes, where the nations rage against the Lord and his Christ And you think, well, how can this be God's will? But look at God's people in Babylon. They were far from the land that God had said would be theirs. Uh, They were far from the temple, the one place on earth where he had set his name and where sacrifices could be offered to him. Now they were living among a pagan nation with no love for God. And yet that was God's will for them. 
And not just God's will in the sense that everything that happens is God's will, but in the sense of verse 14 that he had driven them there. That he had taken them from the promised land and sent them into Babylon. Not simply that he would allowed it to happen, he had sent them there. And the main point of Jeremiah's letter is to tell them not to sit about wishing things were different. You'll hear Christians today saying, well, the nation is under judgment. And that's true. Romans 1 tells us it's true. But often a statement like that can be little more than an excuse not to do anything. Not to expect great things from God and not to attempt great things for God. Because people in Babylon, they were also under judgment But that wasn't an excuse for them to sit around and do nothing. He tells them in verse 7 that it's possible for them to find their welfare, their their shalom, their peace, their prosperity, even in exile. In fact, he tells them that they'll find it when they stop looking backward and inward and they start looking outward. They'll find it when they seek the peace, prosperity, welfare of those around them. Now that doesn't mean that the Jews were to start living like Babylonians. In verse 7 they were to be people who prayed. Like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. They weren't to conform to the sinful lives of those who lived around them. But neither were they to to form a a Jewish ghetto. Uh, Rather they were to seek the welfare of the city they found themselves in. And as an exile, as a Christian in a godless society, you and I will be tempted to be inward looking. Now some some Christians of course embrace the world and soon are no different from it. But other Christians try to cut themselves off from the world altogether. But what did Jesus pray just before he was arrested for generations of Christians who were to come? I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. What did Jesus say to the apostles before he went back up into heaven? A man who had been showing a, a recent tendency to hide away in locked rooms. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. The darker the world, the more temptation there will be for us as Christians to withdraw from it. But the darker the world, the more it needs the light of the gospel. The more it needs Christians living lives that reflect their saviour. The more Christians are are demonised on on TV and we read that this is what Christians believe. These are hate-filled people. The more people need to, to encounter flesh and blood Christians who are not like what is projected in the media. So that's the first mistake exiles can make. Don't keep looking back wishing you lived in a different era of history. uh, Wishing that the circumstances in which you're called to live out your Christian life were different. Whatever happens in 2024, uh, you can be sure that that the date on the calendar that you may have put up in the last week was not a mistake. uh, That this is the year that God wants you to be here. That this is the year he is calling you to live out your faith. God doesn't make mistakes. Uh, 
But the, the second mistake the exiles in Babylon could have made was just looking forward. Uh, we saw last time how the false prophets had said, well, in two years you're going to be home. Uh, God, through Jeremiah, says that's not true. It's going to be 70 years. But they, they might have heard that message and said, well, great, 70 years, it, it, it's all going to be over, so let's just wait it out. Now, having a, a hope for the future is a great thing. In fact, if we don't, we'll struggle to keep going. But the hope for the future that Jeremiah gives the people here in this chapter, it wasn't to stop them living for God in the present. It was a hope for the future, uh, but one that wasn't to stop them living for God in the present. They were to build houses, marry, give their children in marriage, and so on. The hope of heaven, which the Bible gives us, shouldn't stop us living for God here and now. Uh, some of the early Christians went wrong here. We see that in Thessalonians. Uh, their attitude was, well, if Jesus is coming back soon, we don't need to bother going to work. But Paul says, no. Having a hope for the future doesn't mean you're not to do anything now. I think the same danger can be seen today in Christians who are particularly focused on the end times. They have their charts about what's going to happen at the end of the world. And while it is important to try and understand the Bible's teaching on the end times as much as any other subject, a focus on the end of the world can easily become an excuse not to put much effort into living for God today. The attitude uh, can easily become, not automatically, but can easily become, well, this world is doomed anyway, so let's just get ready to go home. Let's just wait it out 70 years until we go to Jerusalem, or however long it is till Jesus comes back. Uh, and again, there's little positive engagement with the world around us. But ultimately, that's a selfish way of living. We sing in the Psalms about a generation yet unborn. We're called to leave a legacy. We're called to build in faith for the future. It's not just about us today and Jesus coming back. We have to think and plan and pray long term. If the Jews in Babylon just sit around and try and wait out the 70 years, they will decrease in 70 years time there won't be a people of God to return to the promised land that's why God tells them to get married and have children uh, and I think we can we can take it that he's telling them to, to do this among themselves not to marry the, the Babylonians but uh, to, to raise godly families so that in the words of verse 6 they would multiply there and not decrease Churches today can decline for two main reasons. One is that they embrace the world and, and they're soon no different from it. And so there comes, becomes no reason for them to exist. That's the pattern of the liberal churches. They become so like the world that there's no point in them existing anymore. But conservative churches decline too. And that often happens when they stop engaging with the world around them. And stop going out in faith to try and reach their communities for Christ. When they focus on themselves and their generation and don't build in faith for the future. 
when they spend all their time wishing they lived in a different era, condemning their own, or just passively waiting for Jesus to come back. But decades of passive inactivity will wipe you out. Decades of passive inactivity will will wipe you out, whether you're the Jewish nation in Babylon or a Reformed church in the 21st century. And so the message of Jeremiah 29 on this first Lord's Day of a new year isn't that it's going to be easy. It's going to be a long, hard slog. But just writing off the world around us is under judgment and spending the rest of our lives looking backwards or looking forwards isn't an option or at least not an option that God will bless. If we truly believe in the sovereignty of God, we will go out in a dark world with confidence, knowing that he has many people in this city. So as we close tonight, remember that you're in exile. Don't expect perfection from this world in 2024. Remember that this is not the final stop on your journey. But don't make the mistakes that exiles make either. Don't spend all your time longing for a previous era. And don't become so focused on the promised destination that it becomes a reason not to do anything in the present. God's people in Babylon were exactly where God wanted them to be. And as you prepare to enter a new year, you are too. And that truth will stop you looking exclusively backwards or forwards and free you to look outwards. God is in control. He hasn't made a mistake. Amen. Well, let's sing as we close some words of confidence from the end of Psalm 56. Psalm 56, verses 6 to 9 on page 116. Uh, tune will be Belmont 52. Well, verse 6 at the top of the page, page 116. If we start the year with troubled thoughts, remember that God knows them, that he puts our tears in his bottle. Verse 8. Does the fear of man hold us back at, from fully living for God? Well, we ask, as the psalmist does, what can man do to me? And then, verse 9, we have the call to walk before God. uh, Not uh, hide off from the world, but walk before God, even in a dark world. uh, That others might see our light shine and glorify our Father who is in heaven. Uh, So Psalm 56, 6 to the end, we'll stand and sing praise.